don't know about you, but I woke up this morning uh, and uh, got ready, had to head outside into the garden. I'll leave that for another time, but I had to. And I couldn't get warm. I, couldn't, I don't know if uh, it's cold. Is it cold today? I don't know. I couldn't get warm. And as, as much as, much as uh, I'm nervous, I, I do get nervous thinking about uh, being up here and, and preaching. Uh, I was looking forward to it because you've got the lights. You've got the lights and they generate quite a lot of heat down on the stage. I was thinking I could stand here, I could warm up in the lights and sneak a little UV in there, work on the tan, that type of thing. You didn't know that was going on, did you, when we stand up here? Hey, if anyone else wants to join me, just stand in the lights, warming up, feel free. No? No? All right then, it's me. You've got me. <laughs> so, in the 1990s, they literally exploded onto the scene. Five ordinary teenagers who had the ability to morph, to change, to access a power beyond themselves and become martial arts heroes for justice. Could have been you, Simon, with that introduction to Jean-Claude Van Damme. In a moment of crisis, they would cry, it's morphing time. And they'd leap out dressed in a rainbow of lycra. Here you go. Here you go. Is that you there? Is it pink? No? No? All right. You can see why they were a formidable fighting force. Any ideas on who I am talking about? Want to admit to watching them? The Power Rangers. The Power Rangers. And I'm sure that for most boys in the 1990s, it would be a disappointing Christmas if a Power Ranger doll or its evil counterpart didn't get pulled out of the stocking. And they hit on something. They hit on something, the the Power Rangers, something, a a desire that's deep within all of us. Nothing to do with wearing lycra, but everything to do with transformation. Transformation. And I want you to hold that thought. You're giggling on the back row. I can see you you got that one, didn't you? (laughs) There we go. Christmas... Christmas is close. It's close. You know it, don't you? You know it. You can sense it in the air, the the stress, the, the, the panic with men who know they should be doing something but don't know what it is. And women, women who feel like they're doing everything, which is probably true. And this Christmas, our theme, our word that is connecting this is perfect, perfect. The perfect Christmas got us started with our all singing, all dancing Christmas production. We followed that with perfect plans last week. Today is perfect people. Christmas Eve is perfect peace. And Christmas Day is the perfect present. So then, perfect people. And what connects us through from the the Power Rangers to perfect people? It has everything to do with transformation. And even if the the Power Rangers weren't there in your childhood, there were classic reads, there were fairy tales, we've all heard them, where frogs, frogs become princes, ugly ducklings become beautiful swans, and wooden puppets, they become real boys. Transformation. And it doesn't stop there. The ad agencies love it. This deep desire, they work it over and and over with sending us technology, fashion, fast cars and deodorant. It makes me smile. They push it further and and further. Your life transformed. Your relationships, your sex appeal with this product, surely not. But who knows? The Lynx effect, is it real? 
Ad agencies play on our deeper urges and insecurities. And Christmas, wow, that so connects with where we're at. And I do realise with anything I say about Christmas, if it's heard as a, as a, a negative, then to some people the, the Christmas police is as if I'm against it. But honestly, I enjoy Christmas. But in speaking into it, I want to I ground it in reality, in truth, in humanity. And there's a lot to love. There's a, a lot to learn in this season. And the transformation, because so much of the appeal of Christmas is the transformation that it works in our, in our homes and, and in our, our lives. And for us, the, the transformation, it starts when I go up in the loft, which is now my daughter, Emily. It's her bedroom. Don't worry, we've done it out for her. She doesn't sleep amongst the boxes. Up you go. Loft hatch down. It isn't like that. And those boxes, those boxes, they come down and the tree goes up. The decorations come out. The lights go on. And suddenly our reasonably dull beige lounge, it becomes quite dreamy. The transformation complete. But the question when it comes to transformation is, what is real? What is lasting? What reaches our deepest desire? What is the difference between Christmas how we know it, how we celebrate it, and the, and the Power Rangers, fairy tales, and the Lynx effects. What is the difference? That is where we're going with this. So we look at perfect people. And I want to get there with retelling the, the Jesus story, his birth, because I think popular culture has done its own transformation on that. See, we've never been happy with it. Not with how the Bible tells it. Not with... God's approach to sending his son Jesus and we've made it cuter we've made it cuddly with little lambs bleating in the background and now it's tame and and comfortable and what we've given ourselves is too perfect to be true like a fairy tale and what's concerning is that many have lost the facts they've they've lost their ability to believe because of that whereas in reality the truth is riskier the truth is bold. The truth is believable because it is very human. And if we build it up, Jesus' birth starts with a, an elderly man. His name was Zechariah and he was a, a priest. He was told before anyone else that God was now setting in motion a plan to walk on earth and it was happening. Zechariah and his wife were, were known for their personal holiness, but they shared the pain of not having children. And in Jewish culture, that was considered as not having God's blessing. And they were old. They'd stopped asking God for children. But Zechariah was chosen as a priest at the temple in Jerusalem to enter the holy place to, to burn incense. And then as he enters to his terror, he's confronted with an angel. The angel tells Zechariah that they were going to have a baby and this baby was going to grow up to become John the Baptist, who would be the forerunner to Jesus. He would literally prepare the way and John, he would be unusual, wearing goat's hair and a, a leather belt, eating locusts and wild honey and living out in the desert. Then there was Mary and Joseph, a teenage wife-to-be and a, a carpenter who had a keenness to, to do the right thing. Again, a an angel visits, tells Mary what is about to happen. That this baby, the, the, the son of God, is miraculously conceived in her. 
And Joseph, acting out of his righteousness, is set to divorce Mary, but then is himself visited by an angel who convinces him to, to follow through with this, to protect Mary with his own life and to take her with him to Bethlehem to register. And it was there among the, the cattle and the, and the straw that Jesus was born. And Jesus, he would, he would grow up in this family with Mary and Joseph as his earthly mother and father. And he'd have four brothers, James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and sisters who aren't named there. And let's not underestimate how this family would have impacted Jesus. I don't think, I don't think that God just downloaded everything into the head of Jesus. I'm sure his family shaped him. Those conversations with his dad, Joseph, as they stood side by side working the wood in the, the carpenter's shop. How much wisdom, how much knowledge of, of God was passed from this father, the man who God chose to parent his son, Jesus. Then we get the, the shepherds coming in out of the fields, no doubt carrying the, the mock and the, the older with them. They would have been straightforward, hard-working men shunned by the Jewish religious elect because they often had to get their hands dirty, disposing of, of dead sheep. And they came to see face to face this baby, God's own son, in the holiest of moments. And later the Magi, the wise men, strangers to this land, strangers to this religion, led by a light in the heavens, arriving not to see a king in a palace, but a, a baby in the arms of his Jewish mother. And as you look around the, the room, the strangest of families, Elizabeth and Zachariah, Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, the, the wise men, poorest to, to richest, youngest to oldest, wisest to the most rugged, the holiest and most devout to those considered off-limits. And just to cover all angles, there are a number of cattle snorting and snuffling around the, the edges. Perfect wasn't what you would call it. And it leaves me thinking, it leaves me thinking, I could have been there. God could have asked me in because it wasn't in a palace it wasn't the size of your wallet or your political status or your holiness or knowledge of religion that got you in. This impromptu family that gathered was handpicked by God. It came in out of the fields. It came searching from distant lands. It knew a lot about woodworking, a lot about shepherding, a lot about stargazing. It was raw. It was exposed. It was wide. It was diverse. It was God's embrace of humanity. Everyone was asked into that. Everyone was asked into the birth of Jesus. And with sending his son, God dared to think he could transform humanity through a baby, weak and vulnerable. His life under threat of murder within days of being born. A baby who would grow into a man and finally give his life age 33 so that everyone could come to know God, the Father, as their saviour. And if you don't yet know Jesus, then this is for you. You are asked in. You can know God. You can be in relationship with him through Jesus. 
And if you do know Jesus, then this is what we have within us. The saving and transforming power of God in our lives. And now, picking back up on Christmas and perfect people. I want us to look around. Look around here. This impromptu family that we're part of. This church. As together we ask questions about God. As we learn how to follow Jesus. As we sing and as we pray. And I want us to look around. Around at our own families. What and who we were born into. To be loved and and shaped by. Because a lot of Christmas is about people. A lot of life is about people. Talking to people, growing with people in the, in the stress and strain, in the rough and tumble of relationship. And at Christmas, this is often heightened. And there are people who you want to see. People who you want to see, who you want to spend time with. People who you know it's going to be a laugh and it's going to be meaningful. Then there are people who you know you need to see, although it may seem like an effort, a little more forced. Then there are people who you want to see, but you're not going to see because they've gone. Maybe they live at a distance. Maybe they've passed from this life. And I'm sure we would all agree on this. People matter. People matter. And I've got this saying, you may have heard it before, you're going to hear it again. It's everything communicates something. Everything communicates something. And God, in sending his son, gave us a massive, undeniable communication that people matter to him. That they are on his heart. That they are in his mind constantly. And what follows are some reflections, some observations about Christmas and perfect people. And then I want to finish with three quickfire applications. And as we go into this, I want to state two things that are obvious. Two things that are obvious. Firstly, no one is perfect. No one is perfect. We are all works in progress. We should probably have yellow tape around us like a a building site saying danger cross at own risk. And secondly, everyone, everyone is different. And funnily enough, when I was thinking this thought, Helena, our children's pastor, she walked into the office and told me about something Len Goodman said, one of the judges off Strictly Come Dancing. He said this the other night, and although I don't, I don't watch it, I know Len is the more senior off the panel. And he said, he said, I am a cup of tea in a world of lattes. And I can relate to that. My wife, Rach, says that I was born in the wrong generation. And maybe I am a, a file of facts in a world of iPads or a, a custard cream in a world of Oreos. But that's just who I am. And we're all different. We're all different. Some more than others. And God enjoys difference. He created us. And there are seven billion of us in the world. All different. Remember, everything communicates something. And there is a clue there. And through situations and and conversations that I have had this year, I've been challenged more than ever on the question of what is normal? What is normal? Am I normal? Are you normal? Is my family normal? How far do you have to go before you become abnormal? And who gets to decide that anyway? And I've realized, I've realized that accepting the obvious, that no one is perfect and that everyone is different 
And then widening our embrace means a lot of what God did in sending Jesus. His embrace of humanity passes from him to us. And it can cause us to be less judgmental and to show more grace. But it doesn't stop there. There is teaching in the Bible, which whether you're a Christian or not, you can agree on it. You can know that this is a healthier and a, a happier way to live. And in Galatians 5, which is one of the books, one of the, the letters written by the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, in verses 22 to 23, he wrote this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, what he is talking about is the work, the transformative work of God in our lives. Paul is saying that when God is in us, what should come out is an increased amount of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All values, all values, all characteristics that we would all want to have. And living with the people... And starting with me, who aren't perfect, who are different. We need these characteristics. We need God. And Jesus is the one who shows us how. Now, if you've done Alpha, then you will have heard this before. Because I've only got one talk for Alpha. And one, one of my anxious waits, one of my anxious waits in life was when my wife, Rach, was about to give birth to our first child. As much as I was comfortable having been offered tea and toast by the nurse, it was obviously distressing for Rach giving birth and I was concerned for her. Another part of the anxiety, or maybe a better word is anticipation, was to see what our baby would look like. Obviously, I know the biology of that, but the thought that our baby was going to look like me and she was going to look like Rach. That those family characteristics, that, that DNA was going to get passed on and combined in some Frankenstein-like experiment. That was playing on my mind. Would she have my ears? Would she have Rach's eyes? Fortunately, it all came good and she looks more like Rach. <laughs> Although, she does have big earlobes, which comes from the Bennets, but don't stare. She's only nine. And... <laughs> And for Christians, for Christians, for anyone, I don't think we can just grit our teeth and tell ourselves we're going to be more like Jesus, more loving, more joyful, more peaceful, and so on. It is only with the transforming power of God at work in our lives that we take on those family characteristics. And this Christmas, knowing that we're going to be spending time together with people who are like me, like you, who are imperfect, who are different. I'm sure we're going to have the chance to show these family characteristics, these Jesus-like qualities, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
We're going to be ticking them off our list as we go along, helping granddad out of his chair, coping with auntie's rant about young people, buying the wrong batteries for your son's remote-controlled car that he's just unwrapped, talking calmly and gently to prevent an argument that has come through tiredness and a, a burnt-up turkey, being generous when someone is collecting in town for the children's hospice. I'm just making these up, you can probably tell, but I guarantee the opportunities are going to be there. And how? How are we going to respond as imperfect people following the Jesus example? There is a a psalm, a psalm which comes strangely enough in the book of Psalms, which is in the Old Testament, that shows us with pictures how God wants us to be together. How he enjoys it when we are together. In Psalm 133 it says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It uh, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Now, we don't go around pouring oil on people's heads. And although beards are making a a comeback, see, my dad has always been cool. Still, what is described there? I doubt you're going to see this. But but if you allow the pictures, if you allow the, the poetry to talk, I think we can work out what is going on. There is a joy. There is a refreshing. There is a blessing There is goodness, there is godliness that can come when we're together and we're enjoying being together. And if you are a a Christian here, we've been placed, we've been placed in relationships with people. We're there in school playgrounds, we're there in offices, we're there in shopping malls, we're there in restaurants and bolty houses, we're there in lounges, in people's kitchens, we're in roads, not literally, that would be dangerous, but we've got neighbours, we're just about everywhere where life happens and we're carrying the transformative power we're living out these characteristics of Jesus and God is pleased when we do this his blessing like oil like dew it is poured down it is rained down John Altberg John Altberg is one of my favourite Christian writers. In fact, this Christmas, if you can, I recommend you buy and read one John Altberg book. And I'm so confident about him. It doesn't matter which book you buy. You're going to love it. And don't just buy one, buy two and give one as a present. And John Altberg, in one of his books, talks about disappointment. Disappointment. And not to put us on a, on a downer this close to Christmas. I want to work with what he says because I can relate to it see if you if you're anything like me there are times when we're not fully happy with ourselves we want to be better I want to be a better dad being able to remember what year my children are in at school not falling asleep when I'm reading them bedtime stories I want to be a better husband I want to be a better son I want to be a better neighbor I'm ashamed to say my elderly neighbor in his late 80s used to mow my front lawn because it was getting too long although to my defense he had his blade set a millimeter off the ground I want to be fitter 
I want to look brighter, less tired, get rid of these bags under my eyes, one from the Bennetts also. And to be honest, nine years into parenting and 11 years into marriage can have an impact. I want to know the right thing to say, which probably wasn't that. More than anything, I want to be... I want to be a better Christian, a better follower of Jesus. And I've learnt when talking to people, whether Christians or not, that there is a good chance that everyone, when they trust you enough to tell you what is on their hearts, everyone is dealing with disappointment. That they want to be better in some way, often in most ways. They know already how imperfect they are. And they want transformation, something that lasts. And that disappointment can become unhealthy. And for me, this is where God comes in with a, a timeless answer. And it's about me with, with many imperfections, becoming the person God created me to be, which is what he has in mind all along. In Ephesians, another of the Apostle Paul's letters in the New Testament, he writes in Ephesians 2 verse 10, he writes this, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We don't have to remain living in the disappointment. We can get rid of the dis, and we can know that we've got an appointment. We can know that we've been appointed. We're God's workmanship. He created us. He can transform us. And he has placed us here and now in Christmas 2013. And a final question I've been asking myself with transformation is what is lasting? What is lasting? What goes beyond Christmas Day? And this isn't definitive, but there are three. Three quickfire applications which I want to finish with. Firstly, firstly, there are the memories. And let's not discount these. Memories are precious. They go beyond and, and shape us. And if I think back, and just to help me, there is a, a photo, a photo of, me and, photo of me and my brother standing next to our stockings. I'm two years younger than my brother, so I'm the, the shorter one there. Check out the orange wallpaper. And I do think as well, I probably need a nappy change. That's big isn't it yeah wow memories memories are precious they are and I have a number of lovely memories of, of Christmas and if you are or aren't a parent it doesn't change what I'm about to say because we've all been children we've all been children and it may keep us from becoming cynical if for a moment we try to see Christmas through a child's eyes again and realise the importance of fully living in the now moment. So let's be active in creating some memories, some meaningful moments. And let's not stress over it, getting Christmas so perfect that we miss a blessing from a God who is often more comfortable in the mess than we are. Secondly, there are family and there are friends. People who aren't perfect like us, but we have them in our hearts. Let's spend time with them. And giving a present may be part of that, but it's the, the conversation, the conversation that follows that can say so much more. For the short talk that I'm going to do on Christmas Day, 
which is called the perfect present. I, I searched the internet for, for some examples of the worst presents given and happened on this one and there's a photo there. Remember, everything communicates something. And apart from being a nightmare to wrap, I don't know whether it says, I want you dead. <laughs> presents communicate something, but words can go much further. Even if they are faltering, we can tell people how much they mean to us and be specific about, about how they've touched our lives. And I think Christmas gives us more scope to do that. And a hug, a hug. Even if a, a little awkward at first, you know, the handshake, come hug, come, oh dear, you're invading my personal space. That can say even more than words can. Let's say more. Let's mean more. Let's dare to think that our, our words, our actions, as they line up with God's words and actions, what he would be saying and doing, as they line up with him, let's dare to think that they can have a transformative effect in another person's life. Thirdly, there is Jesus. It is his birth that we're celebrating. Now, where we live, we look across the, the house Zone bypass, which is four lanes of, of traffic going past house Zone. And I like our house. I'm probably not doing it justice, describing it like that. It sounds more like a transport cafe. But we're set back, set back from the, from the bypass. And we see over the top of the, the cars. What you do get, though, is the, the noise. Although you get used to it, almost blanket out. Only on Christmas Day. On Christmas morning, you wake up and you step out of the back of the house and it's quiet, really quiet. The world seems to have stopped. It hasn't really. I know for a number of people, emergency services and medical people and so on, it's like any other day and I have huge respect for them. But for a lot of people, Christmas gives you time. And time, time is precious more precious than money or, or presents. And I want to ask the question, can we use some of that time to think on Jesus? If you are a Christian, then that will be reading your Bible, praying, journaling, thinking back on last year, thinking ahead to next year, thanking God for his faithfulness. If you're not a Christian, then don't feel excluded from this. I believe God is ready to hear from you. You know, the, the disappointing thing about Christmas, and I'll close with this, if the band want to come back, is that when it finishes, and to be honest, after a couple of weeks, it does all start to look a little tired. The sparkle goes out of it, and the boxes come down again. The lights go off, and life moves on. And we realise that maybe not much has really changed, but... But when Jesus arrived on earth as a baby 2,000 years ago, when God took that incredible risk, that boldest of attempts to get our attention, it wasn't so that we could meet him only at Christmas, then return to, to normal life. For me to return to my beige lounge, it was so that we could live with the transformative power of God in our lives. And I want to pray for you as I close and if you want to stand if you want to stand with me 
And let's pray before we sing again. God, God, we thank you for that awesome moment in history where you stepped in physically and sent your son Jesus as a baby for us. That just blows our minds. And yet it happened. And Lord, all of us as imperfect people are invited into that moment. Lord, I pray that we'd hear that invite, whether whether we've been a Christian 30, 40, 50 years or longer, you'd invite us in again to see your son, Jesus. And Lord, if we're here for the first time and we've got lots of questions about you, we don't even know if we believe in you yet, God. Lord, I pray you'd invite us in as well to see your son for the first time. And God, in seeing your son, I I pray that, Lord, you'd reveal something of ourselves to us. Lord, if there's something in our lives, and this is more so for if we're a Christian that isn't right, Lord, it's an imperfection too far, if you know what I mean. And you need to point that out through your Holy Spirit, then I pray you'd do that. Lord, and that fruit of the Spirit, increasingly so, would would be in our lives and flow out of our lives. Those family characteristics, that Jesus-like example that we want to follow, we want to do better at. Lord, this Christmas, Lord, we'd know it and we'd do it. And our lives would line up even more so with what you would say or do in this world and continue to say and do through us. And Lord, more than anything, that wide embrace that you communicated to us in sending your son, richest to poorest, everybody, everybody. Lord, we would sense that embrace. We'd walk into that embrace. Lord, we'd carry that embrace out there to humanity, to people. Everyday people like us, the only difference being we know you and we want to carry you into their lives. Lord, give us opportunities, everyday opportunities in lounges, talking in kitchens, wherever we are, around tables, eating turkey, whatever we do, give us opportunities, Lord Jesus, to overflow what you're doing in our lives. I pray that in the name of Jesus and I pray you'd lead us through your spirit with the outworking of that. Amen.